Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ayo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And we have the full CHGO White Sox crew in studio today. We got Vinny Duber, who digs rock and roll. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. And the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. Follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. You got a new team? No, I just wanted to wear this hat. It was the only one that was clean. Gotcha. Uh, and hey, Vinny said that his uh, Bears hat was dirty. So we just oh, got it's really dirty. A ton of dirty hats yeah. uh, <laughs> on, on this crew. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the 2023 team and looking ahead to next season because the Guardians have clinched the AL Central. <laughs> and even though it's not technically over, it's over. I don't think the White Sox have a shot at the wild card unless you guys do. Any any Herbie Sunshine today? Herbie? No, I didn't, didn't think they could ever win the wild card. I thought their only chance. At the beginning of the year until right now is winning the AL Central, and since that is gone, the White Sox are gone too. Yes, so we'll be looking ahead to the 2023 roster and be answering our Discord members' questions. If you're looking to become a member of All CHGO, head to allchgo.com. You get access to our website, all of our written content. You get access to our Discord, where we usually throw out a prompt to ask us questions for shows like this, and you get a free shirt of your choice. So head over to allchgo.com. You can also read Vinny Duber's latest article about setting up that 2023 team, and we'll talk a little bit about that uh, later on. But the reason we're talking about 2023 now is because because the Guardians are the AL Central champion, and we did have live video from their celebration in the locker room last night because Emmanuel Classe was live streaming, and a whole bunch of things were said. So, Stephen, why don't we start with the first one, uh, which is uh, pretty clear and obvious. So still looking for Tony LaRusso to get fired, and then the other one was this... Okay. All right, cool. Well, the other one was fuck the White Sox. Um, So basically the Guardians celebrating by chanting fire Tony and fuck the White Sox. So clearly they had some edge with Elvis Andrews comments about that the Guardians will crumble and the White Sox will be able to take advantage of that and win the AL Central. Uh, The Guardians were able to put some uh, bulletin board material up on uh, their walls. Whatever is necessary for you to get motivated, any slight, real, or perceived is good for a team to use motivation you could see all throughout that celebration for the Cleveland Guardians they say fire Tony 
they say fuck the White Sox. Um, the Cleveland Guardians web uh, Twitter handle puts out a a uh, poster of the Will Smith of Fresh Prince of Bel Air empty room, which NBC Sports Chicago's White Sox Twitter profile had put on initially in the season, saying, "When's the rest of the AL Central going to show up?" The Guardians put out a similar picture with uh, Jose Ru- uh, Jose Ramirez and another player Jimenez. in that Jimenez in that same room and said, "Yeah, we showed up 2022 AL Central champs." They obviously took whatever the White Sox people who are associated with the White Sox, the fans, and they took it as a slight, and they took it as motivation because they haven't played the White Sox in, since last week. They dominated the White Sox. And so their mindset this whole year was like, the White Sox are our main enemy. We're going to take whatever they say or whatever their fans say, whatever is said about us, the Elvis Andros, uh, they're going to crumble. They did a Twitter thing that too for that too, where their mascot sliders eating cookies, and then it, the crumbs come out to say 2022 AL Central champions. They took everything as a slight, even though some of it wasn't meant to be as such. Good for them. Dunk on the White Sox. I would say if you win a championship like that and you're not supposed to win a championship, go ahead, dunk, alley-oop. Make sure that you – and let the next team feel a little pain. And I hope the White Sox and their brass look at that and put it up on bulletin board material too for themselves. Like, these these dudes, man, garbage team. We're going to do whatever we need to do. So we're celebrating next year, and I hope it's in Cleveland so we can slide over the, all over their field. Remember last year, they clinched the division at, at uh, Progressive Field mm-hmm. and then took some pictures after. It was great. So well, I don't have no problem with Cleveland Guardians. Did. They did a little too much, but, hell, you win championships, you can set the market. You can do whatever you want to. And they clinched in 2020 in Cleveland, too, right? They were they were looking to clinch the division. I think they clinched the playoff spot. No, they did that uh, at home, the final game okay. of the final uh, – Home game of the season, yep. right against against the Twins. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a day game, an afternoon game, and then they went uh, on that miser- miserable road trip uh, after that through Cincinnati, Cleveland, and I forget where they ended the season that year. But um, but yeah, it was it was Minnesota. Ugly. Um, yeah, that was the Carlos Rodon game. Oh, though. they came back home and played the Cubs. That's right. It wasn't the last home game of the regular season. They came was back that- home and played the Cubs for the last series of the year. But yeah, they clinched. They were the first team in the American League to mm-hmm. clinch a playoff spot. <laughs> they had they had the number one seed. Uh, on that day, and then they uh, lost a whole bunch of games after that. And they finished, like, third place in the AL Central that year. Second. Like they, Sec- uh, they were tied third. with Cleveland. Yeah. yeah, but Cleveland had the the uh, like the tiebreaker, so they finished technically third. That's why they had to play the Oakland A's in that first round. I think that's right, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, hey, do, not, uh, do never underestimate the power of bulletin board material or the power of, uh, you know, people think we can't do this in, in sports. That's such a driving factor for so many teams that you see so many teams making it up all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, how many teams have you seen, the, like, the number one seed in the NCAA tournament, and they're like, oh, people out there think we can't right. do it. And you're like, what? <laughs> you're the number one seed. Uh, but, uh, you know, so so never underestimate that. And, and two, you saw the White Sox try to manufacture that throughout the year at various times, and obviously they couldn't get it to produce those results. But listen, which the, one's come to mind? Well, uh, recently, okay. uh, and I think I think we heard. I don't remember who it was. It might have been Liam Hendricks. It might have been somebody else. Say, you know, all of a sudden people think we can't make the playoffs, so mm-hmm. we need to go out there and show them that we can make the playoffs. And you know, it 
he he talked numerous times all year about them trying to manufacture that energy and it never really coming because it wasn't authentic it wasn't real the guardians have had that real feeling since before the season started when everybody said oh my god you don't have any players you have this ridiculously low payroll mm-hmm. forget about it We're, you're done and they said they could go all the way back to january or february and point to people saying that they couldn't make it happen and what do they do they go out and make it happen absolutely i want to go to rusted here saying Sox fans deserve better and this is a super chat by the way so thank you very much rusted for the super chat uh Sox fans deserve better this team quit on us after all fans endured to show up through 2017 and 2019 they quit on us that's what I'll remember uh, you talking about them like not being able to manufacture that energy and we see Miguel Cairo uh, take over as interim manager and what we hear is like the energy coming through but obviously that wasn't enough for the Sox to uh, take over the AL Central but we look back I was l- listening to uh, I think it was the podcast from the double header day on April 20th and the Sox came into the first series against Cleveland six and three up two games against Cleveland. Then they went and played a doubleheader, lost 11-1. to That was the Dallas Keuchel game. Uh-huh. And then lost 2-1. With two all the errors, right? Uh, yeah, with all the errors, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were coming into that game, first place, 6-4, and four, and left Cleveland, never touching first place ever again. So they saw that division or that, that matchup and were like, oh, it's Cleveland, you know, well, first series, bad luck. And then they started losing eight in a row. And then the Guardians probably took that as we got to beat them now. We got to beat them in June. We got to beat them in July. We got to beat them in August. We got to beat them in September. And it really only felt like the one time the White Sox are like, oh, we need to beat this team was that one game of September. They lost it. And then we stopped seeing that fight from them. And like Russ had said, uh, you know, we see the first time they get swept in a six game homestand since 1989. Um, you could say that they quit, especially going up against a Tigers team you were 12 and four against. Uh, now you're 12 and seven because you, you got swept there. It is human nature after you feel like you've expended all the energy. And as Vinny said, he was there that day, saw the players pregame and postgame. They gave great effort on that Tuesday game where they eventually lost to the Cleveland Guardians in extra innings. But when you expend all that energy and it still doesn't work out for you, you could see it's human nature to give up. But it takes a professional to say, you know what, it's not over. And I'm sure that these guys... You know, they gave it their effort that they thought they gave 100%. But you could see, you, you losing to the damn Tigers is inexcusable. Like, having the Cleveland Guardians sweep you, that will happen because they're a good team. They they play fundamentally sound. They pitch well. The last two games were versus Tristan McKenzie and, just, and uh, Shane Bieber. So it's going to be hard to win those games. But the Detroit Tigers, there is where I see the lack of effort, the just throwing the jock out there, just, ugh going through the motions type of stuff and so it takes a professional to say I got to play for the SOX I got to play for the name of my jersey that is my last name so when people look forward they're like hey that putting player name in there is always going to play 100% no matter what and I felt like most of those players just like you know what it's over 7-2 to to the Tigers on Saturday that was a lifeless game Well, we lose 4-1 to one on Sunday with a solo shot mm-hmm. from Yohan Mankata, lifeless, versus Tyler Alexander. I mean, it's just not representative of who they are, and I feel sorry for the fans, like Rusted said, that felt like, okay, I believe in this Rickon plan, and it was coming to fruition. 2022, going to the playoffs, awesome. 2021, winning the division, excellent. And I know that, you know, this rebuild's not linear. You don't just stair-step your way up to a championship, 
but this is very disappointing how they gave this effort. If they would have just lost to the Cleveland Guardians as the Cleveland Guardians were a far superior team, I think most White Sox fans would have been pissed. But they would have said, you know what, they gave it a good college effort, and the Guardians just were a better team. I don't feel that White Sox fans feel that the White Sox gave all their effort this year and that the Guardians are a far superior team, and they deserve to win that championship. So they do deserve it, but if the White Sox, who we all thought in the preseason, which we were doing in the uh, before the show, everybody thought the White Sox going to win the AL Central, that team didn't show up, and that's why it's disappointing. So tip the cap to Cleveland. They did what they had to do, and they had the motivation. I mean, the best athlete of all time used perceived slights all the time just to get himself up to the next level. And if the Cleveland Guardians need to do that, cool. And I wish the White Sox take a page out of their book and do that for all this dunking that Cleveland did last night and feel that all through the offseason. When they feel tired, doing that extra workout, doing that extra pitch, feel uh, feel a little pain that the Cleveland Guardians dunked on you and made you feel embarrassed all yesterday. And Twitter felt it. The whole baseball world felt it yesterday. Another thing that I'll say, too, Liam Hendricks said, you know, in the in the run up to the end of the year here that, you know, when they were going into that Guardian series, you know, sometimes when it when a team has its back against the wall and they're down, you know, it's about putting pressure on on the team above you and and you can be he said it's be it's a better position to be in to be chasing than to be chased because you can you can do that, you can put that pressure at the team at the top feels they can't screw up, you know, that kind of thing. Even with the positions flipped, the Guardians were the team that was constantly putting pressure right. on the White Sox. Whether it be in-game in the three games that they played, by doing their Guardians thing, by running every single ball down the line, creating errors, creating infield hits, by going first to third every time, always taking the extra base, always doing the extra thing, whether it was that or then, once they left and the White Sox were playing the Tigers and the Guardians went to Texas, the Guardians just kept winning. Mm-hmm. The Guardians just kept winning and winning and winning. And the pressure was not on the Guardians to be perfect. The pressure was on the White Sox because they saw that margin for error shrink and shrink and shrink down to nothing. The Guardians were the team that were putting the pressure on. They had their foot on the gas pedal all year long. They did not let up at the end when there might have been a chance for the White Sox to sneak in there. They did not let up at all, and you do have to credit the Guardians for what they did, not just winning baseball games, but the way they played and the attitude that they attacked every game with, uh, you know, not just down the stretch, but especially down the stretch. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, kudos to them because they did what I think everybody wants to see their team do, which is just n- not relent at all. Yeah, and they, they took care of uh, business, too. I mean, they had a positive uh, a win-loss record against Detroit, 10-9. and nine. Uh, They're currently up against KC, and they'll have six more games. They're 8-5 and five against them, 12-7 and seven against the White Sox in Minnesota. They were 13-6 and six against. So the, the two and three teams, I mean, double-digit wins against, they absolutely dominated. And we mentioned this stat yesterday. Right now, the Guardians are the youngest team in Major League Baseball, be the eighth youngest team in Major League history to make it to the playoffs. Last team to do that was the 1986 Mets. And you think about the Sox and their youth and and where they might be age-wise, I think they were the 11th youngest team back in 2020, and now they're the 25th youngest team, a.k.a. they're old. So I think it's interesting looking at your article and seeing where the White Sox could get better and what ways they they need to improve. I think speed is one of those places because you mentioned uh, the Guardians able to take all of those bases, I think defense also very, very important. Um, we talked about power last year, uh, and you know we talked about Andrew Vaughn leading the team with 17 home runs. Mm. That's an issue. Um, it really feels like the only thing that might be somewhat stable before we get into the full positions here is pitching, if, yeah. if, if we feel 
uh, any different, let me know. But it feels like starting pitching and relief pitching, there's at least a lot of options. I don't know if they're set, but there's definitely something to work here with. Yeah, I think pitching is is very much their plus at the moment. And, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of people who could take a pessimistic attitude, especially toward the guys in the starting rotation. Uh, you know what I mean? I think for every positive opinion for one of those guys, there's probably a negative one when it comes to keeping them moving forward. You know, is it Lance Lynn was great the second half of the year, or is it, oh, Lance Lynn is old and he's he took so long to get going this year? Is it, uh, you know, Dylan Cease had one of the best seasons you could possibly imagine, or is it, oh, Dylan Cease is a Boris guy now, so he's going to leave, so you better trade him now? Is it Michael Kopech was excellent in his first year as a starting pitcher, or is it Michael Kopech hasn't shown me enough to be reliable this year? So I think there are some people who could have a pessimistic attitude. My opinion is that they look like they're going to have a pretty good rotation going into next year. Obviously, Lucas Giolito is going to need to be a lot better than he was this year, but I think all three of us would agree that he can be, whether or not he will be or not, he probably can be. Uh, I think in the starting rotation, they've got room to improve because they do have one open spot if you know and Johnny Cueto is going to be going to free agency maybe they just use that to bring Johnny Cueto back who knows but um, they have room to improve and I think they can do it without getting rid of any of those other four guys the bullpen's packed and I think that you could argue that given full health um, it's a very much a strength of the team going into yesterday they had one of the almost one of the top 10 uh, ERA bullpen ERAs in baseball Um, obviously Liam Hendricks is fantastic but uh you know there were moments one of them yesterday you know Kendall Graveman giving up a lot of runs late to Detroit um of those guys that you gave all those money to to be the consistent relievers not delivering uh and so I'm sure people are going to be uh you know a little upset about that too but if you go into 2023 with a bullpen with the bullpen that you have right now I think you got to be pretty confident right I mean Hendricks Graveman Kelly Diekman uh, you know, bummers under contract still. You still got Lopez and, and Lambert who were right. great this year. Yep. Um, and then Crochet maybe as well. So, I mean, that's a lot of bullpen arms. None of them really that I don't think anybody would look at and go, that guy is stinks and always is going to stink kind of thing. You know, I'm Jake Diekman. He was bad this year for yeah. them, no doubt about yeah. it. But, I mean, he, is ha- he has a track record of being a guy that you can rely on. And also, guess what? He's under contract. That's so. true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's going to be back no matter what. <laughs> yeah, there's a thing in poker called pot committed where you think when you have, have early bets of the on the round, you think, okay, I can't fold here because I have way too much money in the, in the pot. And so I have to either, you know, any bet, any raise, I have to push that amount in. And that's where the White Sox kind of are reading Vinny's article I felt that that was what was portrayed like the White Sox are pot committed because of the contracts they have out there and the expense you know I mean Moncada is going to be making 20 million next year who's going to take that especially with the play he's had this year same thing with Yasmani Grandal now the younger players who are not really established like Andrew Vaughn Gavin Sheets they might get you something back, but why would you want to trade those guys because they look like they're both ascending? Aloy Jimenez, to me, seems like a guy that's right in the middle. He's the best hitter in the second half for the White Sox. but also One of the best hitters in baseball in the exactly. second half. Exactly, yeah. and so he's also oft injured. So you're like, okay, can we go through another season with him being injured again? Or do we count on our off off-season program and our training program and then the fact that we might have him as a designated hitter that thinking, okay, we might bring him back as their, our designated hitter and we'll probably get 140 games out of him. He will be less injured next year. So it's a lot of problems the White Sox have. Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and all the 
the uh, people up there in the front office might believe that giving a, given another year running this back with full health might be the solution for this team. And then also they might not have an option there. Like we don't have a lot of wiggle room here to actually change this roster because we are committed with a seventh highest payroll in baseball and a lot of guys signed to long-term deals. And the guys who we might want to move either underperforming or off the injured. It's very messy. Uh, we'll talk about it now. Uh, we'll take a quick break, but we got to get to some super chats. I first got really excited because I thought this was Tino Martinez. It is Tito oh, Martinez. Oh, Constantino uh, Martinez? We, we still love him, and uh, we appreciate the uh, sweet words from him saying the only thing good to come out of this season is this podcast, which we appreciate you guys. So thank you for the super chat. Uh, and then we got a double dip from our guy, Jaxo23. Uh, the White Sox need to find a second baseman, and we need a right fielder, so we need to trade Sheets or Vaughn up and we have to make Eloy our permanent DH. Also, this proves we can't win without TA. And he finishes up by saying, Yaz needs to go and we need to get a new catcher. In all in all caps. In all caps. Except Yaz. Yes. Everything else, <laughs> Yaz needs to go and we need to get a new catcher. But Yaz was regular, which I, I appreciate that. That we means he did that on purpose. I am. My man's Jackso. <laughs> we appreciate the so super So it's just chance, like, oh, Jackso. quick comment about Yaz. No, it's going to be screaming about Yaz. There you go. All right. Let's tell you about points about this. I should probably scream about points bet. This football season, points bet's bringing you a better way to bet live on games, which means before this ad's over, you can place a live same-game parlay bet. You can bet on the next drive to be a touchdown and cash out your live second-half over bet. With points bet, you have access to more live football markets than ever before. You can build the perfect live same-game parlay by combining your favorite bets anytime during the game, including spreads, totals, player props, and more. You can choose the outcome of the next drive and next points with points bet lightning bet. So whether you're on the move or on the couch, do it live on points bet. There is Monday night football tonight. There's also a Bears After Dark show. Well, either Cody or I will be giving you bets for tonight's Monday night action through the Points Bet app. So make sure you watch live. I think starting at 6.30 um, is usually when those uh, After Dark start. So check out the YouTube channel at 6.30 if you're looking for some football content. But download the Points Bet app today and sign up with code CHGO to get two or three bets up to $2,000. And new users, if you download points bet app and use code chgo um, and deposit fifty dollars or more you'll get a free chgo membership where you'll be able to read vinnie duber's article about how the white Sox figure out the 2023 roster you'll be able to have access to the chgo discord where you'll be able to ask us questions for the episode today that we'll be answering a little bit later on and you'll get a free shirt of your choice from the chgo locker we have fantastic new designs in that chgo locker so make sure to download the points bet app today and sign up with code chgo if you have or if you or somebody you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. And our next partner is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. If you ever dreamed of sitting in a seat you never thought you could, maybe 50-yard line, maybe courtside, maybe scout behind home seats. plate. Yeah, scout seats, uh, especially with the way the Sox are playing. Uh, game time makes that possible it's possible with the game time app to make your sporting dreams come true the biggest last minute price drops can be found on seats you never thought you could buy you won't find a better deal this season on white Sox tickets bears tickets they're still going on uh i, I was looking at concert tickets they're on there as well i'm going to one tonight at the riv uh so if you're looking for any event check out the game time app and try to find the lowest prices it was created by the fans and for the fans which is why they guarantee the lowest price Herb got 110% uh, of his money back when he found a lower price after he bought tickets to the A's game or the uh, Braves game. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were fast and 
uh, efficient with getting him his money back. So if you love CHGO, then you'll love game time. And the best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the game time app and score the best seats to all of your favorite events. So on allchgo.com, there is fans are begging for it, but here's why change in uh, changing White Sox roster won't be easy this offseason by Vinny Duber. Uh, check out Vinny's recent article, but let's start with Aloy Jimenez and kind of the idea of where he'll play, because I think it would be difficult for them to move Aloy just because of his contract. I know some people have said $9 million for a player like Aloy isn't too much. $13 million the year after isn't too much. Um, but for a player that is DH only, mm-hmm. I think it does limit that. Like, would you want to spend 9 or $13 million on the DH position if you're another team? The White Sox might find it difficult to get the right trade value for Aloy, especially with the way he's hit in the second half. I think it's clear that at least 2023, Aloy needs to be the DH. However, your article seemed like you were kind of saying, hey, outfield might still be a possibility. I mean, the, th- the, the thing that I was talking about was there were a ton of questions that need mm-hmm. to be answered, whether it's him or both corner outfield spots or really the entire roster. But um, when it comes to Aloy, I think the thing, the, the positive when it comes to, you know, figuring out where he's going to play is that they seemed to solve that whole, I don't play well when I DH or I don't play well when I DH kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he just had the se- one of the best second halves of anybody in baseball, mostly as a DH, because his legs and his health were limiting his ability to play the outfield. Um, and so I think going into next year, that th- that part is answered, right? Can Aloy Jimenez be a full-time DH and be a successful hitter? Yes, he just did it. You You know that he can do that. The problem is, if you have all these guys that you need to find room for on this team and you're not able to get rid of them or you're not wanting to get rid of them, are you better? You know what I mean? Like, are you better off having Aloy Jimenez play left field for the most part and having Andrew Vaughn DH? Because the complaint all year was Andrew Vaughn has been bad in the outfield. Andrew Vaughn's right. not a good defender in the outfield. If the, your goal is to improve your defense and you're stuck with all these pieces because you can't work your way out of these contracts that you've already signed people to, uh, or you don't want to give up your young players in the case of Vaughn, um, is Aloy better at defense and left field than Andrew Vaughn? I think probably, right? But then there's that whole, is Aloy going to hurt himself if he goes out there and plays left field? Now, mm-hmm. he hurt himself this year running the bases. Right. You know, I mean, so that obviously you cannot prevent injury by making a guy a DH, but you can do a better job toward working toward that. Uh, Herb, you've been on the Aloy's the guy that is going to get the short end of the stick here uh, thought process for seemingly months now. I feel yep. like we've talked about this for a while. Uh I don't know how a team that could not hit for power this year and could not score for the vast majority of this season can afford to get rid of the guy who's been their best hitter for the last three months. Uh, That is, again, a predicament more than it is a opinion they need to keep him. It's more of a look at the situation they're in. If the only guys that they're going to be able to get something for in trading are the guys that were good, what sort of trade are you looking for here? What sort of way are you looking to improve? Because to me, the the offense is what needs to improve. The, mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. The defense needs to improve also, right. no doubt about it. But The defense more, has needed to improve for years, so that's more, different. But more than anything, the thing that killed the White Sox this year, more than being a, a poor defensive team, was not being able to hit for power and not being able to score runs. And if you can solve that problem or work towards solving that problem, that's the thing you have to do. Aloy Jimenez at full strength, 
is a guy who helps you do that and in a big way. You're going to hear me say the same thing about Andrew Vaughn. You're going to hear me say the same thing about Jose Abreu. If these guys want to be on your team next year and you have the capability to keep them on your team next year, they're going to improve. They're going to help you in that offensive department. Now, is it going to make the defense uh, stay where it's at? Maybe. Uh, and again, that's the problem that the White Sox are in here. If they want to go improve the defense or the offense, really, where can they do it? What can they do with all these guys kind of locked into their spots on the field? And if you say, all right, Aloy, you've got the DH spot, that's a position that you're taking away from being able to use for Vaughn or Sheets or Abreu or Grandal. It's it's tough. They're in a tough spot right here. And uh, I don't know if you can point to anywhere and say, and again, I think it's hilarious that every comment that's being made almost is get rid of a different player, right? right? Every single person has a different opinion on who they need to get rid of and who they need to address. And I think that's another point in favor of that argument that just there are no easy answers here. Yeah, the reason why I say Aloy, because the injury problem now, if he can, if they can solve that problem, which I think being a designated hitter probably will help him in that regard. And also, I think Aloy would bring back the most value. You, I think my main thing is with the four players that we're talking about, Jose Abreu, which that is still up in the air, Andrew Vaughn, Gavin Sheets, Aloy Jimenez. You have a glut there where you need to move one of those guys. You can't come back with those four guys on the team because of poor defense, because of injuries, because of not utilizing this roster as much as you need to. And you're talking about Aloy Jimenez, both a great hitter, Secondly, cost control. This contract is awesome. Only making nine and a half million next year. I think thirteen and a half the year after that, and then two team options. I believe it is for let's see, sixteen and a half and eighteen and a half million when he's twenty eight and twenty nine. Awesome deal by uh, Rick Hahn for signing this hitter and Aloy Jimenez to the deal he did. Like Jordan Alvarez is a pretty much all time DH for the Houston Astros. He just signed an extension where he's going to be making in somewhere in the ballpark of what Aloy's eventually making. But, you know, after that, he's got two more years added on to that where he's making like $28, $29 million. So Aloy's got cost certainty and cost certainty that's really cheap. So that's why I think the attractive nature of Aloy being traded comes from. Andrew Vaughn's great, and is, he has very little money on his contract. He's on his second year and did not sign an extension before he started playing. But I believe Andrew Vaughn, with playing 150 games during a season, will be the White Sox best hitter in the future going forward. I just don't think you can gamble on Aloy coming back to this team and saying, okay, we're going to have to think that we're going to get all the games so we can get out of Aloy Jimenez this year, and we're going to be banking on that. So that's why I wouldn't trade Andrew Vaughn over Aloy. Now, they can put all these people into the same basket. Like, we got to trade one of these guys. And if it would help the White Sox, help the White Sox all, a lot with the problem if Jose Abreu decides not to come back. But also, as Rusted says, as Vinny has said, we're going to find that production otherwise. Jose Abreu is the hits leader in the American League mm -hmm. still. He has a bunch of doubles. Yeah, the home runs haven't been there, but I trust him, Pito. The track record says 30 and 100. In a regular year, the man would get his 30 and 100. If he does come back, that's good for the White Sox. It's good for everybody, I believe. But for the White Sox, for this glut of four players that they have, Jose Abreu not coming back might help that, but then they have to find that production. So that's the only reason I say Aloy would be the most attractive out of the four players we have right there to be traded to get something back that would help the 2023 White Sox 
And moving forward, this team kind of has to change. You know, maybe a good defensive left fielder who has a power bat. So in this in this scenario or a scenario that you just brought up, yeah. the White Sox are letting Jose Abreu go, mm-hmm. and maybe he just retires and that happens. Yeah, but possibly. I'm just saying, letting him go and trading Aloy Jimenez. So their two best hitters yeah. are now off the team. Yes. So Some, what are you trading Aloy Jimenez for that is going to make this team better than having Aloy Jimenez and Jose Abreu? I just <laughs> go with the 2005 thing, and I hate when people do it, and I got to do it myself, with Carlos Lee. Like, Carlos Lee was an offensive juggernaut, but the team wasn't moving forward. Carlos Lee uh, most thought was a selfish player, knew that he was going to be good after the White Sox traded him, but they need to diversify this offense. They need to change the offense. So they got Scott Sednick to be at the top of the lineup, and they got Luis Vizcaino for Carlos Lee. Then you can just you know diversify the offense and have different ways to scoring uh, baseball. And like The White Sox not only didn't hit the ball over the fence, the runners in scoring position thing was a big-time thing. They don't really do the first to ter- third thing. They're station to station. Maybe you need a more athletic team where you're playing. If you're trying to trying to play Guardians ball, you can have more athletic players to play Guardians ball where you're just scoring runs because you're you know, producing when a guy's on second. You're hitting those singles. You're making sure that you can score from second base on a single. How many times have we seen them – hit when runners in scoring position, the guys at second, and they just, you know, no, we got to stop you because you're too slow, Aloy, or you're too slow, Jose, or Yasmani, you're too slow. Thanks for the uh, knee brace, Yas. Um, there's been a lot of times like that, and I would love to trade Yoan Mankata, even though I think he could be a top five third baseman, or Yasmani Grandal, who I think could be a top five catcher. Those guys are on your team next year, unless the White Sox eat a lot of money. It's not going to be pleasant. But you got to trade from a position of strength. And I think Aloy, while I know, I guarantee Aloy will hit 50 home runs if he ever plays a full season. He is that powerful. He is that good. But I can't bank on Aloy being healthy to do that. So I just have a, the White Sox have a problem. As Vinny says in the article, you should read the article. Like they have a huge problem. But it's also solved by the players doing their goddamn jobs and well, staying on the damn field. Right, and I think one way they can help Aloy stay on the field is by putting him at DH. And, and again, we're, I'm talking about getting younger. I'm talking about putting Aloy at DH, which means moving Andrew Vaughn to first base. We already put the full segment up, but I do think the White Sox should move on from Jose Abreu, whether that be because of retirement, which is possible, and he talked about that before the, uh, the, the season started. Um, but also, I just think that you know, we've seen enough out of Aloy. You mentioned them talking about how Aloy didn't like being at DH and how he just kind of had to be there because of the injury. And it seems like he's figured stuff out as a DH in 2022, uh, 187 plate appearances. He's got an OPS of 888. Compare that to the 30 games in left field. It's a 904 OPS. The good news, that's higher than his career OPS before this year. So it seems like him as a hitter, he is growing. And whether that be at DH or left field, I don't think the White Sox should move on from Aloy Jimenez. I think Andrew Vaughn's growing as well. I think he needs some help. There are some concerning signs. I think that he struggles with high heat, um, and I think he's, he's really struggled with fastballs in general. I mean, we saw what Tristan McKenzie was able to do with him. Um, but I do think that there is more growth there. And if you're looking to figure out contract and money thing, Jose Abreu isn't going to be cheap. I mean, Jose Abreu is at least going to be like $10 million unless he takes an extreme discount he's to Jose be with Abreu. the Sox. 
I, I, he is Jose Abreu. He might do that. He's he's the best. We love Jose Abreu. But also, like, Jose well, Abreu is the we best. We love Jose Abreu. Yeah, you right. You're the, I hate Jose Abreu. Yeah. I hate Jose Abreu so much, I want him to go to Houston. I want him to be Ugh. miserable in Houston. I want Ugh. him to get a ring. God. How dare I root on Jose Abreu? No, that's terrible. You I, you, you hate Jose Abreu, apparently. <laughs> you hate White Sox fans because you want him to be on the enemy. I want, but, him, I want success. But the but, point I'm saying with Jose Abreu, he did sign a a very, very White Sox-friendly deal on his extension. So he and then might, won an MVP. He might do that again. So, <laughs> But yeah. also people, like, before he's he only signed that deal, people year. were like, that was an iffy deal. I mean, like, fans people, did not I like it. it. Right. Not all it. fans, but a lot, many, several. I, I said it. I said definitely you don't re-sign Jose Abreu. And I raised my hand. I messed up there. And Jose Abreu, what, he signed a... A $9 million, $16 million, and $14 million deal. Like, the, the man is great. Yeah. I mean, the $9 million is prorated because of the short season, but he signed a team-friendly deal, and I think he'll do the same. Hey, Jose, what do you want to come back for this much? Cool. cool. Signed. Yeah. Well, I mean, if that much is like $25 million, it he's won't be that gonna, much. But, like, still, like I don't know if it's, if it's fine. Uh, we do have some super chats here. Uh, Jack so coming in through. Uh, said, we need Trey Turner or Carlos Correa for second base, and I'm not dealing with the revolving door at second base again for this year. Good thing we're going to talk about second base in just a second. Um, and he said, we need to sign Judge from the Yankees. Uh, I don't know if there's any... In all any caps, other, too. Is there any other Judge? I mean, I'm, they might Judy. have a, just I a just, judge. Yeah, I just like that he... he Lowercase <laughs> Judge J. Neen. From the Yankees. Yeah. Judge uh, Reinhold. They want Judge Reinhold. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great acting. I, I think that second base is an interesting spot. You wrote about Josh Harrison, that the fact that they have the option, um, but also that they're still getting negative value from from second base. Um, how do we view second base and, and what the Sox can do? Because we also heard Elvis Andrews very willing to move to second base, but Tim Anderson hasn't come back. Why would you move Elvis Andrews off shortstop? Because he's the best shortstop on the team right now. So we really haven't seen Elvis Andrews take that second base spot yet, so we don't know if we can, he can even play that. So how do we view second base? Is the current second baseman or the second baseman for 2023 currently on the roster? I mean, I would say no, uh, and that's no slight to Josh Harrison, who's been a phenomenal presence in the clubhouse and, and on this team for the White Sox. But uh, when it comes to production, really with the exception of like a, a hot streak there in the middle of the year, not much to talk about. You mentioned it. I mean, I think the White Sox from a war excuse me, from a war standpoint, have the second lowest production at that position in baseball. Uh, it is, it, it's been the same story for a long time now at second base with the White Sox. Um, but I think the quote-unquote good news, the silver lining, if you will, is that it's one of the few roster spots where you don't have to make one of those really tough decisions. Mm -hmm. You say, ah, oh, sorry, Josh Harrison, we're not going to pick up your option. <laughs> and then you have an open spot at second base, there you go. That's where you go out and get somebody, right? That's Everybody wants them to go out and get somebody. That's where you go get them at second base. Um, people calling for a right fielder, A.J. Pollock's going to be on this team next year. Mm -hmm. He's got a $13 million player option that he would be foolish to not pick up, in my opinion, uh, and uh, he would figure to be the guy who's going to be playing most of the time in right field next year. Uh, so... Second base is the spot on this team, just like it was last offseason, where you could go out and get somebody. Uh, I, I believe, yeah, that they that's really the spot where they would go to inject new life into this offense because, as we've mentioned, they're, they're, they've pretty much set everywhere else. And I don't mean set from a everybody else is great on the team, but set from a they can't don't have a lot of wriggle room. Yeah. Yep. Brandon says uh, Josh Harrison, 1.3 F4 and 1.5 B war is not negative value. What I said and what Vinny said in the, the, the piece was the position, the position as a whole. General, right, so yeah. the position has a negative value, not Josh Harrison. Yeah. And he did play well, especially defensively. But to run back Josh Harrison, 
I don't think is a good move for the White Sox. I think the White Sox second baseman for 2023 is not on the current roster or in the on the 40 man at all. You need to go out and find somebody where you got some solid play, some major league play. You can depend on um second baseman coming up from the minor leagues and Sanchez and other people, Danny Mendick getting healthy and maybe uh, securing that spot because he played well in his brief time in 2022. But I think with the lack of moves everywhere else that you have, you have to improve second base and Elvis Andres. I understand people want him to be there. I feel the same way about Elvis Andres as I feel like Johnny Cueto. You caught lightning in a bottle. You caught two guys who are trying to, you know, Last hurrah. Hey, you, I'm on a new team, fresh start, where my old team didn't want me. I'm signing a minor league contract of Johnny Cueto. I'm going to go and cash in at the, at the end of the year. Same thing with Elvis Andres. I'm on this bullshit Oakland team. It's boring. They got ants in the press box. They're eating Vinny's computer. I'm out of here. Possums. And, yeah, I'm going to play well in these last two months, and I'm going to go somewhere else and play my position at shortstop. And if I can play, you know, a majority of the games, that'll be great. But to depend on those two guys to come back and repeat the performances they had in 2022, I think is foolhardy. But I can believe the White Sox would do one or two of those moves. But I would say you want you don't want to do that. You don't want to depend on a 36-year-old Elvis Andres to repeat this that he's done so far well, at a different position. Well, right. Also, Joe, Joe says, what's wrong with Elvis at second base, though? What's wrong with Elvis at second base is that Elvis never played second base. Right. Yep. And you, you listen, that's a fine solution for we got 15 games left. We're trying to make a playoff push. He's hitting hot bat right now. Tim Anderson's coming back. We don't have anybody better to put at second base. Go ahead and try it out. When you're talking about starting the year and mapping out 162 games, you're just going to go, oh, well, this guy was okay at the end of the year, so let's give him a, the starting job at, at a position he's never played before. Right. That You can't do that. You can't bank on that and invest in that when you can go out and in, bank on and invest in somebody who is very, very good at second base. Yeah, I just wonder how they find somebody who's very good at second base, just because that's one of the weakest positions in Major League Baseball. Second yep. base and catcher are just tough to find. And I, I honestly think that keeping Josh Harrison might be the smartest thing for them. And I think that the issue with second base is in 2021 and 2022, Leary Garcia has started over 80 games at second base. And that's not, that's he not by design. Right. He wasn't yeah. signed to be there. And I think that's the issue. And we did see a, a lot less of Leary Garcia when Tony Larusa wasn't the manager. Um, so I think if they use Tony, uh, Leary Garcia in the role that he was designed to use, I think second base improves. The issue is I think that he was looked upon to be a starter. And I think that just kind of helped, you know, made him crumble. I think he was just, well, you asked Leary Garcia to do too much. Well, and also Josh Harrison got off to like the slowest start right. imaginable. I mean, if Josh Harrison hit, the, if he took his best stretch of the year and mapped it out for the even just the first half, you're seeing Larry Garcia in a more normal role. The the biggest problem, obviously, with that is the injuries. Right. They got to stop getting their you know three, four, five of their major players knocked out for long stretches at the same time. If they can stay healthy. Larry Garcia is playing the role that Larry Garcia is supposed to be playing. Well, and that's why I was hoping for depth at the trade deadline, because if somebody goes down, you need somebody that can actually step in and not have that person be Lenin Sosa and have them take their first ever major league at bats, 11 major league at bats. And it, not be consistent, right? Like you see Michael Harris get called up for the A's. I'm just thinking of the team than the hat you're wearing, but he gets consistent Braves, at yes. bats. Uh, Braves. I keep saying the A's because it's an A. Um, but uh, you see when uh, Vaughn Grissom gets called up for them as yeah. well, like he gets consistent at bats. Lenin Sosa still shown some promise. Um, you Killing look at AAA. Uh, AAA, he's 
the difference, the age difference there is uh, 4.3 years. So, I mean, he is 22 years old going up against well-seasoned guys, and he's got a slash line of 298, 350, 474, Maybe. 825. In Birmingham, he had an OPS of 933, 11 home, or, uh, sorry, nine home runs in Charlotte, 14 in Birmingham. I think there's potential there. But there if is. you have Josh Harrison be the starter, Leury come in when you need him to if it's a spot start, if Danny Mendick's healthy, like I think there's enough depth at second base to survive. I think Josh Harrison was fine enough to be the main starter. And if you need to move on from him by the middle of the season, well, that's going to be easier to move on from that 5.5 than it is to cut that 5.5 early on. I think Elvis Andrews bringing him back to play second base, sure, maybe, but I think he's going to cost too much because he just had a great end of the second half with the White Sox. Also, I think teams can might he find play value. second base? Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> footwork you know. is different. Yeah, yeah, the covering, like just the muscle memory of however many years he's been playing baseball of, okay, I do this to go the ball in the hole. I My footwork is this, to cover the bag at second base. I know it's not, you know, people don't think that's really hard, but he's been doing this for probably 30 years of his life, playing baseball, going the this way, you know, going the backhand throw, and then jump throwing. It's a different position. It's a probably an easier position to learn, but you haven't done it in your career. And to bring that guy back and say, hey, this offseason, go ahead and train to be a second baseman and then banking on him being this productive at the offensive side and then as good as he's been as a, as a shortstop at second base, ah, it's going to be real tough, real, real tough. I would rather them let him go and make White Sox fans really jealous because he's on some other team doing it at a, at a shortstop position. It's tough for him to go as a second baseman. And he would want the money he needs to get paid as a shortstop to be a second baseman, which the White Sox wouldn't pay him that. I hope they wouldn't at least. Right, and I think Rusted's right here. Cueto and Andres probably both priced themselves off the Sox. Awesome. We do have some uh, super chats here um, as well, which, yeah, isn't a bad problem. Uh, Jack's saying we need Aaron Judge or Bryce Harper for right field. Uh, their time for Bryce Harper passed a little a couple of years ago here. Uh, but yeah, then Alex, And I'd like to play the guitar like Jimi Hendrix. Come on here. <laughs> right. Uh, and then Alex saying lots of people saying they should get Judge. There's no way they're getting him. But if they did, would that be enough to turn around this team? I don't know if it would turn around the team, but it would definitely help them get to 80 wins. It would help. a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would help all the players around them, you know, because people like, hey, I, I don't want to pitch to judge, so I'm going to pitch around him. And now Aloy's a fuck. It's bad. You know, now, you know, you get right. runners on base and you will have a position of, uh, like, who's the right fielder right now? AJ Pollock? Would you want no, to AJ Pollock's played like 100 games in left yeah, field. Yeah, but next year he's going to be AJ Pollock. And I know he has Possibly. hit left handers. Harder than Judge or better than Judge this year, but I would rather go with Judge next year. I don't. Oh, You'd yeah, rather have Aaron Judge than AJ Pollock. It's not my money either. I know the man's going to be making like four hundred million, whatever. He's going to be making a lot of money. Just setting the American League home run record. He's going to make a lot of money. It's well, a great year to have a career year for well, Aaron Judge. Let's go to right and left field because I think second base is an easy position to f figure out, and I think right and left field might be somewhat easy to figure out just because AJ Pollock might force your hand on it. I was wrong during the Jose Abreu segment, so. I just want to clarify, A.J. Pollock's player option this year right now is worth $13 million. He I don't think it can get to 14 with the, as few games that are left. He would yeah, have need right. to have another 
50 uh, plate appearances. appearances over the next nine games. Yeah. Right. So yeah. unless, you know, we're playing 16 inning games, right. Um, right. it's probably not going to happen. Right. But since he hit the 500 plate appearance marker, he has gained three more extra million dollars. I thought that was added to the buyout. It's not. So the buyout stays at five. The player option has jumped to 13, which then you'd have to find an $8 million contract, which for a guy who's hit lefties as well as he did, maybe, but also he only plays left field, doesn't really play center field too much. He's had some highlights out there, but I would say he's mostly a left fielder. Well, um, and you talk about Aloy's injury history. A.J. Pollock right. is significantly older than Aloy and has had just as much of an injury history. This is the most, this is the most durable <laughs> he's been right. in, well, I think, five years. Mm-hmm. 2017 was the last time he had this many plate appearances in a season. So that's going to be part of any decision for if he were to go to the free agent market. I, in my opinion, I do not see any way in which AJ Pollock should be testing the waters when he can take $13 million for 2020. And the white Se- real quick, second most played appearances in his career, yeah. 502 next most six, six seventy three when he was an all-star in 2015. Yeah. And even if he accepts his player option, the white Sox are not a hundred percent stuck with them. They could see another team that wants to have a $13 million left field, right fielder who's oft injured. I mean, it'd be really hard for them to move. And with us thinking that Aloy might be going to DH if they stay on, keep him on the team, AJ has options, or they, the White Sox have options, either put him in right field, which he doesn't have a right fielder's arm, but he can also stay in left field, and then they can go out in the market and find a right fielder, or just say, Gavin Sheets, right field's yours, which I won't. No. I mean, but here's that's no. well. Gavin Sheets says options too. Gavin Sheets still has two minor league options, so he doesn't okay. need to be on the team. Oh, well, he's a major league baseball. player. Then it'll though. be yeah. Is he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. even if it's just as a, a bench guy or platoon guy, oh, yeah. that's he's, still a major league baseball uh, player. Yeah, he's a major league. I mean, it's not looked at as a great thing to like the best thing to have, but yeah, the man has earned a spot on somebody's major league team. He can go to Baltimore, go back home, trade him for somebody. Yeah, bring Anthony Santander over here. <laughs> I would love that. I don't think they're trading Santander for, <laughs> hey, for Sheets. Hey, here. where's the hometown boy? What if Larry just leans on him? Like, hey, guys, come on now. Bring my son home. I don't think Larry Sheets has that much pull in the Orioles organization. Sit I don't play. I'm about to say, yeah. sit in the first, in the uh, first row. The, you said, though, oh, left field, right field might be easy. I don't think so at all because there's so many other factors to look at. If Let's, you know, Pollock's going to take one of those spots, right? Let's say yeah. let's say you're putting Aloy at DH full-time. Mm-hmm. Aaron Judge and Wright. Well, but it's here's enough. my thing. If you if if Jose Abreu comes back mm-hmm. under those situations, yep. where are you putting Andrew Vaughn? Where right are you putting field. Gavin Sheets? And right. maybe the answer is another team, but I'm just saying where those two guys need a position. If if uh if Jose doesn't come back, Andrew Vaughn's at first base, you still gotta figure out what to do with Sheets. And yeah, and, and then there's this guy named Oscar Colas that you just invested a lot of money in going down playing a triple A. So that guy, again, he's not somebody you maybe have to worry about for opening day next year. You know, maybe you say, okay, he's still a year away or what or, or, or right. half a year away or something like that. But he's there as maybe a safety valve if you trade one of these outfield types or outfield esque players for a second baseman or a starting pitcher or whatever. But you got all these guys, you gotta these pieces gotta fit together somehow. Yep. And uh if that means Andrew Vaughn playing the outfield next year because Jose Abreu is at first base and you think Aloy Jimenez is best suited for DH, you might have to deal with it and hope that he hits it well enough to overcome any defensive shortcomings. Or finds a way to play better right field. Just at least passable where you're not the worst outfielder in baseball. Literally. With not even close to as many games as the people who are right. in that category with them. So, yes, I would have to bear... Andrew Vaughn being in right field if Jose comes back and we want Aloy at DH. 
it'd be Andrew Vaughn in, in right I, field. That would 100% be my move. the only way you'd play him. I yeah. think right. the Sox are failing their players if Andrew Vaughn's in the outfield next year. I, I, I understand that. So, well, I, but I, if he hits 30 home runs, then But I don't think cares? he will. I think I think they're limiting his power. I mean, we see 17 home runs this year, but we also see his legs being hurt. We have to see him not actually suffer an, a leg injury. He, he never hit the IL with a leg injury, but he still has to run 60% to first base. Like, I think that having him out in the outfield, even though he is a very smart player, a very competent player, he just isn't athletic enough to play the outfield. Let's stop playing him in the outfield. If he's in San Francisco with a giant wall or Fenway with a giant wall, it might be a little bit easier for him because he could just turn around and run after the ball. But, you know, he doesn't have that luxury and guaranteed right field. Then then you're okay with Aloy Jimenez playing left field. No, what I, again, what I would like to see is... (laughs) Right? I I mean, seriously, this is the problem that they have. I'll take you through. Aloy at DH, Andrew Vaughn at first base, AJ Pollock in left field, Oscar Colas in right field. And I think that if they want to make a big signing, I think Brandon Nimmo makes sense for right field. I think it's not a major signing like Andrew... But I think it's it's in the ballpark of possibilities going out and getting a guy like Nimmo. But what if Jose comes back? You're giving me your wish list. If, I want if you Jose to give Abra- me what happens in the situation, so, right? So are you? If I don't. You're if, Rick Hahn, if I'm if I'm if I'm the Rick Hahn yeah, and right. Jose Bray says and Jose Bray says I want to come back, I'm saying. Thank you very much for your time. We'll retire your jersey wow. later. We'll come back when you're you're visiting Callous. on a different team. But if that doesn't if that doesn't happen, and he's the first baseman, I, are you saying okay, Andrew Vaughn has to be traded because he can't play right field? I mean, well, yeah, I, I would say then if if Jose Abreu come, comes back, they're choosing either Aloy then or Andrew Vaughn. That was what I think that that segment we clipped up was uh, basically you know talking was they've invested money into Aloy Jimenez, they've invested a draft pick into Andrew Vaughn, and now. Abreu's contracts up. So if they want to recommit to Andrew uh, to Jose Abreu, that means they have to uncommit to either Aloy Jimenez or Andrew Vaughn. So I mean that's that that's how I see it playing out. If Abreu comes back, then one of those two needs to go. If I was a GM, I would keep keeping those other two and letting Abreu walk. In the worst case scenario of everybody coming back, what I would do is, of course, Jose Abreu at first base. Aloy has to play designated hitter. Has to because you get the most out of him. I would put Andrew Vaughn in left field. And then put uh, AJ Pollock in right field. Even it, though they did the reverse most of this year, exactly, because yeah. I think Andrew Vaughn's a better left fielder, still bad, than he is a right fielder. And I think that AJ Pollock can give you at least major league effort in right field. I think that team would at least be a better team on the field, and would produce the most out of those four players coming back. It's the worst case, and I put those in quotes. Worst case scenario when you get four good hitters coming back. Now the defense will yeah, be they a little might, rough. Yeah, they might hit you, they might hit you uh, you know, 150 home runs, too, yeah, which would exactly. be all right. And then Sheets is just your lefty bat off the bench, or you do a straight platoon with well, him and A.J. Pock, so you get a a good right fielder out of that, well, even though the defense would suffer. And you guys were talking about, you know, what do you do with Sheets because he's a major leaguer. I mean, I think maybe you have a competition in spring training, and if Oscar Colas beats him out, then Oscar Colas beats him out. Like, I, I think that... For who? Sheets? For Sheets. Yeah. Yeah, like, I think I think that's maybe the way that they do it. Because even then, if Colas beats him out, Sheets still has minor league options. Um, I, I, so think, I think there's still ways to, like, figure out what... Like, Sheets being on this team or being in this organization isn't too much of a hampering issue, I think. I think you are a... I think there is a chance... You're a better defensive team if Aloy plays left field and Andrew Vaughn's your DH. There's a chance. Might not be true. Might not end up that. I way. mean, that, I mean, yeah. if I know Aloy can play left field at a all right clip, the only problem is the injuries. So, he's but he's getting injured he, running the bases. Too. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I'm that's. I just want to limit the chances that he does get injured. So, yeah, and I agree with you. If if I can have somebody tell me, hey, guaranteed. 
Although it's going to be good this year. 150. Play him in left then. Fuck it. I don't, know. <laughs> I, bet, I don't think he's going to be able to play just a whole front 150. And hey, maybe they'll be able to figure it out. I think something that Rick Hahn mentioned uh, about injuries and, and, and leg injuries too was it's a, 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 a kind of a yearly process or it's 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 a process that they're in to try to figure it out and how to best manage these players well, i think i think you're talking about two different things you can talk about the guys who have had surgery alloy grandal lance lynn all basically had the same procedure done right. uh versus the guys who were tired you know who had sore legs vaughn comes to mind abreu was in that uh, category at one TA point this too, year i think ta was at that category in i think each of the last two years and robert uh, earlier in the year as well um those are two different things and i think the idea is give these give the latter group an off season and they'll be back to normal the former group are the guys that have to li- learn to live with this and that definitely could impact how much left field alloy can play going forward i think again an off season of rest and getting healthy getting recovered fully from that surgery rather than hitting the ground running and getting back into a season uh, probably makes a sizable difference. But it is something that moving forward is a thing. And I think that maybe that does, maybe that does become a uh, big factor in determining who plays left field next year or at least where Aloy plays next year. Yeah, so left field, there's question marks. Right field, there's question marks. DH, first base, second base. Second base, but it seems like catcher, third base, and shortstop are pretty solid now. And And starting pitchers. And center as well. For the most part. Um, Yeah, starting pitchers, I I think there's four that are currently on the roster. Maybe they bring back Cueto, but I think we'll we'll, we'll see more about that uh, later on in the offseason. It's tough to judge. Davis Martin coming back as the fifth starter. Hey, he could be the sixth starter. That's fine with me. Um, Let's take a break real quick and then get into your questions. Chicago, you've already got the best coverage for your favorite teams that's us and hey we got to twenty thousand youtube subscribers so thank you everybody for supporting us even on this off day so get fitted in the best sports gear around foco has got you covered from soldier field to the front room north or south side with hoodies slippers signs bobbleheads and everything in between get decked out like a damar with apparel from the leaders in sports merch and collectibles foco looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life foco's got the you got you covered with the hoodies that fight that Lake Michigan breeze, my friends. So uh, it's getting down to hoodie and shorts weather. So check out foco.com and click the or click the link in the description below. Uh, and for all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for ten percent off. Again, they got great bobbleheads on there. They got great apparel as well for White Sox fans. Maybe you're looking for Bears gear. Maybe you're looking for Hawks gear. Maybe you're looking for uh, Bulls gear, right? They got all the four major sports over on FOCO.com. So check them out at FOCO.com. And again, all non-pre-sale items use promo code CHGO for 10% off your first order. All right, let's go to our questions. If you want to ask us questions for some off-day shows, especially during the off-season, check out allchgo.com. Become a member. You'll get access to All CHGO and all of our writing uh, and all of our articles on there, like Vinny's uh, piece that we just kind of discussed here about how to fill out the roster in 2023 and what parts are locked down already. You can also ask us questions in the CHGO Discord, and you'll get a free shirt as well when you sign up. So let's go to an easy one first, and this one's from our guy, Will M., and he says, what team are each of you cheering for the rest of the way maybe not cheering for but is there a team that you'd like to see win the world series i mean padres for me there you go 100 <laughs> padres and then this weekend when the white Sox play them i'll be cheering for the padres because they can improve actually i'll be cheering for the white Sox because right now the padres are the fifth spot if the playoffs were start to now they would be playing this team the atlanta braves 
You don't want any parts of the Atlanta Braves. None. Zero. They are great. Not good. Great. And so them going to the sixth spot where they play the St. Louis Cardinals, a little bit better for them. So I'll be cheering for the Padres to do well, but maybe the White Sox this weekend to take a couple games so they can go down and Philadelphia Phillies can go up in their spot and they play the Braves and lose to them. I think there are two, you know, there are two ways you look at it, right? You always want to see, uh, you know, a, a quote unquote underdog do good, or at least a new, a new face in the playoffs, right? Seattle Mariners uh, mm-hmm. would be would be fun to see them do something after being out of the playoffs for more than twenty years. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Sean, your guys, the Nymets, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they haven't been there in a while. Uh, but then the, there's the other side of that coin too, which is, I and I'm one of these people who likes to see a championship awarded to a team that has played really well from beginning to end. I think that's why you've got to look at, you know, some of these teams who maybe with the way their regular seasons have gone over the last many years should be talked of as like a dynastic team. You know what I mean? Like the Dodgers, the Astros, who everyone hates, Uh, you know, Mm -hmm. those teams have been so, so good from start to finish. And then also, uh, you know, nobody on this show is going to back this up in any sort of way, but if you're talking about an underdog, if you're talking about wanting to see a team run all over the Astros, Cleveland Guardians might be a team that you want to look toward. If it's the Astros versus the Guardians, I'm 100% on the Guardians' side. Not even close. Because I my hatred for the Astros, especially now that Michael Brantley's been out for the rest of the year, is enormous. There's no like redeeming qualities on that team. Dusty Baker winning a World Series would be cool. <sighs> it would be. You're right. Yeah. I'd rather, yeah, for it. I'd, rather, I'd rather have Tito get his third than Dusty have his first. <laughs> Dusty would get into the Hall of Fame if he won the World Series. He might get in without it. He should. I, I think he might get in. Yeah. No matter. I mean, that's just a baseball lifer right there. Yeah. He's, he's putting the work. Mm-hmm. He's, he's devoted his life oh. there. Um, Slogged through those Cubs seasons. Oh, he man. He, he coached the, the Reds and the Nationals. And Poor got guy. Him, got him to the playoffs, both those teams. Oh, man. And then got fired for it. Um, I, I think Guardians definitely weirdly are up there just because I think it would be hilarious if they did, um, spending $35 million in well, the right. Series. They're up to 65 now. Right. Right. Well, opening day payroll yeah. was 35. Um, I, I think, though, I, I would like to see uh, the. Ooh, probably the Mariners. It's just tough to say any other team that hasn't been there since 20 in 21 years. And the fact that they made those deals like going out and getting Castillo. If Julio Rodriguez is able to like carry them through the World Series, I think that'd be a fun team. Um, but really, I don't want to see the Yankees win. I don't want to see no. the, the Astros win. I don't want to see the Mets win. They're not my team. I don't want to see the Dodgers win. I'm good. You know, like, let's see somebody else. Like, see it was fun Cardinals? with the... I don't want to see the Cardinals win it. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm rooting for the underdogs here, which unfortunately uh, means the Guardians are one of those teams. So uh, you're a Phillies fan. You got a Phillies hat. Yeah, I got a Phillies hat. I mean, I, my guy Schwarber would win it. So, uh, you know, I, I guess that'd be... Uh, uh, confirmation I was and right the offseason. They are the White Sox of the National League, but actually going to the playoffs. Yes, but have well, 83 year. wins. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got a super chat from Jax out. The Yankees roster is worse than ours, mm-hmm. and uh, we need to get Judge. Uh, I'm sorry, it's getting blocked here. Can you scroll up oh, uh, out of there? Um, and I'm rooting for the Mariners and the Cardinals and the Phillies. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think if Judge was off that Yankees roster, I mean, it looks extremely different. I mean, their best player is then Giancarlo Stanton. They really haven't gotten that from from Gliber. Uh, they have Torres as well, or they have a um, Cole as well as their ace. But I'm not too worried because that team, if they lose Judge, they're probably just going to spend the money to make up for it. Yeah, they'll be fine. They'll get Correa to do something. They'll right. Anthony Rizzo's having a good year. They the Yankees will be fine. Even the year that they were tanking and they we did the trade with them 
Um, they just re up the Tito Polo deal. <laughs> the Tito Polo deal. That's how everybody's going to be remember it. Uh, that brought us Blake Rutherford. Um, they just re upped, and next year they made the playoffs. So the Yankees will be fine. They'll they definitely have a better roster than the White Sox currently too. Yeah, I, I would say so. Even and just, they'll have Josh Donaldson. Well, and, and look at their uh, their minor leagues as well. Uh, he's doing well. Uh, their minor leagues are just are just extremely They're well stacked. Um, Quintana Roo is the Mexico team that Tito Polo is playing for. He oh. has 12 home runs and has an OPS of 921. So, hey, bring him, bring him, make, back. Bring him back Tito Polo. Tito Polo. Um, let's go to the next question. Uh, this one's from Kay Jelly asking, if this season doesn't get the office, uh, the front office, office fired, what will? Um, we talk about these high expectations, and we really haven't talked about the fallout for maybe the manager. That one's a little bit more up in the air, though, because of his health concerns. But the front office, um, we've talked about Kenny Williams recently, obviously Rick Hahn as well. Um, what happened? happens with the front office because they didn't meet those expectations or will nothing happen? I mean, I think it's tough. Obviously, this franchise has a history of keeping people in place. Uh, I also think that there is an argument to be made that Rickon's job is not over yet. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, the end goal is is only one thing, and that's winning the World Series. But um, this is a rebuild that has not yet gotten all the way to the finish line and uh it still can i mean as 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 disappointing as this year was all these guys are under contract as we just spent an hour talking about all these guys are there with a lot of talent uh there is nothing out there that says that this is the end and it has to be you know you have to hit the reset button um and so the job of this rebuilding project is not done and so the guy should, you know, there's an argument to be made that the guy should get a chance to finish the job. Uh, there's also an argument to be made that this season was terribly disappointing and and it's time for something new. Uh, those are two separate arguments. I would probably lean more toward the former just because they are stuck, right? And so if you're stuck, you might as well keep keep going and see if this and see if it'll work. A lot of people are going to say that's crazy talk, and maybe it is, but uh, you know that might also be reality. <laughs> now, Kenny Williams and. Rick Hahn, you know, for the failure this season. Deserve is a tough word, but if they were to get dismissed, I would see no problem with that. But the only problem I would see is that they would just bring up Jeremy Haber or they would just bring up Chris Getz, and that doesn't necessarily solve the problem there. If I was Rick Hahn, I would just go to Jerry and say, hey, man, come on. You gave me that manager, and when you usurped my authority and my power, you saw this train stop. Give me the authority back. Give me the power back to do what I know is right to get the job done. And I, up to this point, up to the time when you goddamn hired Tony Russa, and maybe that's not the whole thing, but it felt like a thing where you're taking over my team that I had built up. Give me the power to build this team up again. I'll bring back most of the people, and then I'll have a manager that I see will fit this team. That's why I fired Rick Renteria, because he wasn't analytically based. He wasn't taking this team from A to B. I need the authority back. That's what I would say if I'm Rick Hahn. Now, he deserves to leave, but if he stays, that's what I would say to Jerry. It's like, do not have this up in the air where the manager is more powerful than I am. If the manager is fucking up, I need to be able to talk to him and change his mind on the thing. Like we heard him, you know, kind of give a clue that he didn't feel good about the Byron Buxton uh, pitching to Byron Buxton with the vase available. I'm sure he would have said that to Ricky Renteria and minds would have been changed. He can say that to Miguel Cairo minds would have been changed. 
You can't say that, Tony. And you need to have the power structure to be Jerry Reinsdorf's the owner, Kenny Williams the baseball ops guy, Rick Hahn's the next guy, and then the managers below him. And I got to feel that Rick Hahn feels that way, has to feel that I need to be in charge of what goes on in the baseball field. I can't have my power usurped by you. And let me get another shot at it. We'll have this team right back on the tracks next year. I understand where you guys are coming from, but Rick Hahn was hired back in October of 2012, and he has had 10 seasons as general manager, two winning seasons, eight losing seasons. He's had two rebuilds, and I understand he's currently still in the middle of it. I wouldn't say this rebuild's over, um, but I would say that not winning the division and not making the playoffs this year is a failure within the rebuild. And I, I think that needs to be assessed. And I, I think within, also the fact no, that the preposition is important within, not of. It's and not think, the, it's not the, the, it's not the failure of the rebuild, right. but I think my hope in the rebuild has waned. Sure. Significantly. But I guess my point is this. If you bring in somebody brand new, they've, they've got this roster. Yeah. Right. Right. And so this is still the roster. Like, these are the guys, the guys that you've set up. And also, that roster, you probably have a lot less faith in it than you did six months ago, right. but you are not out of faith in it. Yeah, right? I'm, not, I'm not predicting them to win 95 games, but I don't no. think I'm predicting them to win 60. But if someone came to you and said, the White Sox are going to have mostly this roster next year and they're going to make the playoffs and be a contender, would you? Would that be shocking to you? No. This roster, yes. Mo no, most of it. No, most no, of it. Yeah. Um, absolutely it not. It means that guys will have stayed healthy, and it means that guys will have produced to the level that the, you thought they were going but to. But we haven't yeah. really seen these guys stay healthy. No, you haven't. That's so, I mean, like, I just, I mean, that's, that's the thing is, like, I, I, I could say, like, this right now, but, like, I just, I mean, we'll be sitting here in June of 2023, and then we'll be talking about, like, an injury, and I'll be like, oh, well, you know, we're going to make the playoffs. Find our keyboard brings up a good point. Firing Ricky for not having an league incline while they have one of the single person in the front office doing analytics and research and development. Yeah, it's like, yeah, they have a really low, uh, attendance in what five guys five people they have uh, from i forget this where the stat comes from but there's uh there was a stat and a database set that had uh, the number of analytical workers in major league front offices the white Sox were last with five well but, then there you go maybe joe man will want to come but i can't but i can't i it, and the power structure might have been part of that pine tar keyboard like tony might not remember when he came in he's like observational analytics is what I do. Yeah. And maybe Tony being the most powerful person besides uh, Jerry Reinsdorf in this organization was like, I don't want people doing this analytically thing because I'm not going to listen to it. Maybe if Rick gets the reins again or Kenny gets the reins again, we can have a better analytics department and more people working for uh, this team to improve what they do on the field. Because we saw with Miguel Cairo, I just saw like it felt different. And I know that he's got this six-game losing streak at home first time since 89, so it's a little different that way. He didn't really you know, did, did get the job done there. But I think that Miguel Cairo might, be, might have listened to the analytics department a little bit more. If you can hire some more people, that'd be great. Well, the way he talked about it was just that he was relying on the other coaches in, in that dugout and just you know taking advantage of Ethan Katz and taking advantage of Frank Minichino and taking advantage of the front office. So it just seemed like maybe the whole organization was working and flowing as a team where maybe the case that you're arguing is that uh, Tony LaRusso might have slowed that th those things down. Uh, talking about Han, though, uh, just wrapping it up, this was the highest payroll in White Sox history. So the fact that it didn't yield any results, I would think if I was the owner of the team, I'd at least be pretty uh, tito'd with, uh, with the general manager uh, for those results. Uh, let's go to uh, our guy, Sam. He said, if the White Sox were to bring Elvis Andres back, uh, what would his contract look like considering in terms of years and money? Um, we don't have to go too specific into this because we kind of talked about it a little bit. 
I don't think they'll bring him back just because of that lack of position flexibility. If he is really all in for playing second base and he really does believe this is one of the most talented teams he's ever been on, uh, then maybe he would be able to be lured back here for cheap. But I would assume that he could probably get double digits somewhere. I would think that he could get a one-year $10 million contract somewhere from some team to play uh, shortstop. I wouldn't pay him more than I'm paying uh, Josh Harrison because he's switching positions. He's older gentleman. I would play him one year with a with a team option for the next year, six, seven, eight million. If he doesn't want that, there's other teams you can go to, Elvis. I honestly think that if Elvis Andres coming back to the Sox, it would be as a bench player only. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would go ahead and say that he'll probably get a one-year deal somewhere. I would not be surprised if a, a team that is not in it gives him a starting job somewhere, and maybe that's what he wants, you know? Maybe go back to the, not the A's, but a team like the A's kind of thing. Uh, that would be that would be my prediction. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's go to uh, Legit LP, who says, my question, how does uh, the end of the shift in 2023 impact the Sox? Um, he says the decision about Abreu's return, um, but thinking about the Sox uh, needing speed and defense in the outfield, uh, what do the Sox do? And, and the shift will affect, you know, not only Jose Abreu, but um, Yasmani Grandal is one of the guys that I, I think of right away. So how do you think the shift going away in 2023 or at least being changed where you have to have two guys uh, on each side of the bag and within the infield. How do you think that's going to change baseball and baseball for the Sox? Yes, Monty Grandal, you said Yoan Moncada, guys who they shift for. Uh, Gavin Chisivi plays a lot. And think about defensively. I don't know how much they shifted this year, but last year they were shifting a lot at all. And so they'll get that advantage back. Like people would come back to them as far as uh, defensive analytics would be a little bit more uh, even, and they wouldn't lose as many runs as they did when they weren't shifting with Tony La Russa at the helm in 2021. In 2022, I think they did a little bit more shifting than they did in 2021. So I think it's an advantage for the White Sox to have, you know, two guys on one side and two guys on the other side playing uh, baseball in the dirt. And I think uh, they get a little bit better with uh, the shift in there. They're going to give up more hits. They're going to get more hits. That's what it's going to come down to. If they're going to be a team that can outslug anybody else and get and get guys on base more than anybody else, then it'll be beneficial to them. And yeah. they hit a bunch of ground balls, too. So some of those ground balls that they hit will come through. Yeah. And how about this? I mean, the, the issue is I would like to see the White Sox pull the ball in the air more. Just hit it over, over the shift. I mean, that, I think that would be the greatest thing for the Sox. I mean, how many times have we um, seen Yasmani Grandal rope something and that guy that's playing pretty much in right field either catches it right in his hand or feels the grounder and easily throws Yasmani out. Right. So that that happened all the time. If that guy's not there, which you'll probably be playing in a, a exaggerated shift, but over towards the first baseman, you have more spots for Yasmani to hit the ball to, and now he has uh, options where his natural swing is to pull the ball. Well, and at least with Yaz, especially as a lefty, like I just wouldn't play him on the line as a first baseman. You just move over kind of where that gap kind of is, where that second baseman usually ends up playing yeah, in the, in he's the, the not first base. double. He's not, well, he's, <laughs> and he's not going to beat you to first base. I mean, he's the slowest player in Major League Baseball. Everyone is literally faster than him. Um, and you were right. Uh, the White Sox uh, shifted in 2021 uh, 20.4% of the time, around 38% of the time this year so they did shift more um, but their defense was still bad um, the players that see the most shifts Mancata 78% Grandal 75% Sheets 61% 
Pollock at 48%. And then outside of that, no one else really faces too much of a shift. Even Grandal is a right-handed hitter, only 4.4% of the time. So it's mainly those three lefties. And I think the issue with the Sox is they just need to get more lefties on the team next year. And that was when an issue that we've talked about uh, throughout the year. I mean, you look at their plate appearances uh, compared to the rest of the major league, some of the lowest with just left-handed hitters. So they I think need, they just need more left-handed And they need hitters. the left-handed hitters, like the ones you just mentioned, to actually hit this year. Yes. Next um, year. And uh, I'll give uh, Rusted a, a note here as he has a super chat. We appreciate that, Rusted, uh, saying, all I want for Christmas is a gutted front office. Um, that's two, all? Yeah, that's, that's all he wants. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of selfish. Don't want, like, a new, a new, like, a new iPhone or something like yeah, that? Yeah, Jimi Hendrix guitar I mean, skills. World Peace would probably be easier to get than a gutted front office from this White Sox team, especially with Jerry Reinsdorf, who is very loyal to a fault, good and bad. Well, we got two more questions. Will the Scout says, I know a lot of fans want Jerry to sell the team, assuming he does. Can we realistically expect change looking at half the teams in the league where the owners don't care about team success? Can we expect a new owner to be any different? Um, we don't know if Jerry Reinsdorf is going to sell the team, when he's going to sell the team, if he's going to sell the team, um, but assuming he does, can you expect change? Or, or is it a good thing? I mean, you kind of talked about this Vinny like if you wanted to fire Tony La Russa well who's going to replace Tony La Russa and does that mean that the replacement's going to be better if Jerry Reinsdorf sells the team does that mean the replacement or the new owner is going to be better um, any thoughts I think billionaires love to keep their money and so <laughs> and they don't want to be taught told how to spend their money so unless you're getting a guy like Stephen Cohen which is a, that's why Jerry didn't want him in the league because that guy spins and some say spins recklessly unless you're getting that guy yeah, Jerry's tough, but I think whew, in my heart of hearts, it'll be better, but I don't know. The grass looks greener, but I don't know who's coming in here. If it's going to be A-Rod and his group, which he seems to be angling towards, I don't know if that's going to be better. That guy has no experience being an owner. I want a person that... Well, he's the half owner of the Twins right now, or the Timberwolves. Timberwolves. Timberwolves, yeah, yeah, but he has no experience of being a major league owner, that's true. making decisions on a day-to-day, -day, spending money. Like, I want a person that is done the job you know for a long time mark cuban comes to mind and the reason i think one of the reasons was because jerry reinsdorf didn't want him in the league you know when the, it was kind of timed for the cubs to be sold at that time so if you get a guy that is going to be a guy or girl that's going to be very loose with the money cool awesome but also these guys and girls made this money for a certain way and they want to be told they don't want to be told how to spend the money so maybe they're different maybe they're the same i don't know and to gut the free the front office is going to be tough they do things a certain way in chicago they've done it for since he got the team in 81 so it's going to be like a tear down which you would not like and it'll take many years to get back to the level that you guys think the white Sox should be if Jerry Reinsworth dies and they gut the front office and do whatever they need to do I don't know if I have enough time to do that again. I'm 43. <laughs> you mentioned it, Sean. They're seventh in the seventh in baseball and payroll this year. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that all the problems were solved because of that, because obviously they weren't. Um, but you know, the the spend more, spend more, spend more argument, it it, it was answered. It was answered. They spent more, and right. guess what? It didn't work. Uh, Herb, you pointed out there's a lot of teams out there that are not spending. There's a lot of teams out there that don't do what their fan bases want them to do. Uh, and there are a lot of teams out there that have spent a lot less on their payroll than the White Sox did this year. Uh, I don't know if you if, if if that is going to cause any sort of gigantic seismic shift. You probably just look more like every other baseball team out there in the major leagues. Yeah, and we saw guess. that, you know, with the Bulls, Jerry Reinsdorf didn't sell the team, but Michael took over controlling, uh, you know, kind of control of the team. And we've seen improvements. We've seen the Bulls fans just have more faith in this 
this team in the front office. And we saw, yeah. saw a, a flip there. I think with the Sox kind of still being in a, a contention window, I don't know if the sale of an ownership or the, 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 the whole flipping of a front office might happen. I think maybe one guy can get flipped like Rick Hahn or something like that just to kind of show accountability. But um, yeah, I think large change might be difficult. If a new owner does buy the team though, Maybe a new stadium would also lead to more money, but it, it's it's a lot of what ifs here. Final question here, and then we'll wrap this very long episode up. Uh, but what do you guys see as the highest profile target the White Sox could realistically land this offseason? Um, is there one that sticks out to you? And if you can't give me a specific name, uh, what position, one position should they Second base, second after? base, second base, second base. <laughs> the premier second baseman. Yes. I can't give you a specific name, but... Always good to have a starting pitcher. And we got the question mark with Johnny Cueto, and I said I would love to have Davis Martin back, but there's never a bad time to get a top-of-the-rotation starter and then move all the rest of those guys down so Lucas Giolito comes in as the fifth starter next year. And they have, and that's, that's, that's not a terribly difficult move for them to make. Yep. Mm-hmm. They've got an open spot in the rotation. They could do that. Yeah. Right. So it's either Cueto or maybe they, they go out and sign somebody who you know has a little bit more uh, length to them, right? Maybe, maybe a little bit longer of a, a career on them. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll have a lot of discussion on all of these topics coming up in the offseason uh, because we'll have a lot of time. Uh, we'll this was be a nice here. little preview. It was fun. A nice yeah. little opening salvo for the offseason. And, and I think it? we went an hour and a half. So my bad oh. on that, folks. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you, everybody, in the Discord for the questions again you could sign up to be a member at allchgo.com you get access to reading Vinny's articles and all of our writers articles you get access to the chgo discord and you get a free shirt of your choice that's Vinny Duber you can follow him on twitter at Vinny Duber he's our chgo white Sox beat writer that is Herb Lawrence you can follow him on twitter at Eckerwall 23 he's a chgo white Sox community leader and I'm Sean Anderson the host of the chgo white Sox podcast you can follow me on twitter at Sean underscore w underscore Anderson thank you to Stephen Nicholas for producing the show and we will talk to you tomorrow for the twins and white Sox game i think that one starts at 7 40 i think it is 740? maybe 640 okay 640 so we'll see you at 6 o'clock tomorrow go white Sox.